Welcome, everyone. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I've watched eight movies again. No, this is our final episode of our Harry Potter series. So we've talked about the books. We've talked about the film series. Now, what did all of this do? Start, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start out with the book influences specifically young adult books, a tangible piece of the puzzle, it fattened the size no. of them. <laughs> so because of the popularity- 700 pages. <laughs> basically, yeah. So between 1996 and 2006- Let's be real, that's why I didn't read them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a 37% increase in page lengths in the years that they were thereabouts being written. So other books in that time frame okay. had also yeah. bumped up. Middle grade novels, then afterwards, after 2006, up to 2016, in a different study, they found that they had expanded 115% between oh, that man. time. And then if we want to look at a broad spectrum, so yeah. like way before this, from 1976 to 2016, there was a 173% increase. So young adult wow. books went from averaging 100 pages in the late 70s to about 300 pages at oh the end gosh. of 20, yeah. That's ins that is that is wild. What what else has growth like? That? Yeah, <laughs> it's a like movies are now. Well, I guess movies are longer yeah, too, but not I, like a hundred and seventy percent longer. God, yeah. What if, what if four hours was a trend? <laughs> so the question, which a lot of people think is a thing, is did it increase reading or interest in reading? And this mm. is sort of contested. So. Since 2004, the children's market portion of books has seen a sales increase of 52%, and the wow. overall book market has increased 33%. Wow. So maybe that's looked at something. But the head of the National Endowment for the Arts, and they did a bunch of surveys, and they realized that it wasn't necessarily a marker for increased reading in children. So this is a quote from the director at the time. It got millions of kids to read a long and reasonably complex series of books. The trouble is that one Harry Potter novel every few years is not enough to reverse the decline in reading. So it was like the kids that were already into that, maybe they would venture into more fantasy novels, or that was the only thing they right. read. The interesting thing is that it, what it did do is made the young adult genre okay for the mainstream, and then after that, okay for adults. It, yeah. So there was a 2012 study that found that 55% of young adult novels are bought by adults, which is like, well, adults have to buy I books, but it's- I can attest to this. I remember yeah. I, I, I saw my the head football coach of my high school was reading Twilight, and I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked up to the principal's office. This I went to, it was a very small high school. Um, I walked up to the principal's office, to Miss Barrow's office. I went, Miss Barrow, I just caught Coach Bailey with the with Twilight. She turns around in her chair, I swear to God, <laughs> with a copy of Twilight. I was with a friend of my time, and I swear, our mouths just dropped because yeah. we couldn't really believe it. Like, well, that, that's Harry I was Potter's being affronted fault. with yeah. it the whole time. No, I certainly, I mean, the, the, we think Twilight's not an echo of this? Come on, of course, <laughs> of course. The downside was there was a critical piece where they were talking about it's a cultural infantilism being like, oh, this this is a very simple series. Like, this isn't an adult series to read. Yeah. So this is actually hurting adults who are reading this because it's got also mm. a very straightforward good versus evil narrative and oh, maybe no. it's a bit too childish. Oh, no, it did. So it's like, are you, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah it's like, making the adults dumber. <laughs> that was the criticism. Um, no. Oh, uh, God. Could you imagine if could you imagine if everything you read had that direct of an effect yeah. on your person? 
<laughs> it was just a criticism. No, no, Who no. I, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. it's interesting. No. So some of the stuff with the book after it was made is the translations. How did this become mm, yeah. a worldwide phenomenon? Yeah, spread around the globe. It has to have been put into the language that people know. That doesn't just happen because you put you like wrote a, a novel and put it on Amazon and somebody will publish, you know, like and now it won't go away. It's just stuck on online forever. It doesn't get just automatically translated in right. every language and culture. Uh, somebody has to do that. <laughs> so here's some of the pitfalls of that. Because of the secrecy behind it, the translators were not granted access to books until after the English version came out. Uh -huh. So there was a huge delay if you were, wanted the book in Thai. Oh, man. And you'd have to wait months for it because the translators, the that's second they, they got it. That's a other wave of excitement. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's the insanity when something is this big and it's released in different places at all different times. You have all these people waiting at the gate, just biting at the bit to get their yeah. eyes on those words. Yeah. <laughs> so for one of those examples, the desire was so high for the Order of Phoenix that it became the first best-selling book in France that was in English. <laughs> well, not in French. Wow. It was on the number one because everybody's like, fine, we'll read it in English. <laughs> not waiting for this I'll French. Learn a, di <laughs> yeah. learn a different language so I can read Harry Potter. And then in Italy, there was actually like a, a, a protest of sorts called Operation Feather by Harry Potter fans where they were sending the Italian publisher oh, feathers yeah. in the mail equivalent to like the owls being like, please expedite the final book, the last book. Oh my God. So that we can read it in Italian. <laughs> And if alongside that, there was a lot How of- How Italian. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to send a feather. Uh, there was a lot of unauthorized translations around the world because of that. One of which, which ties into an odd lawsuit, which we'll get into a couple more of those. Oh, uh, in 2002, there was a Chinese language version, and it was titled Harry Potter and the Dragon That Walks Like a Leopard. What? Which has nothing to do with anything. And it was so scandalous because the book- consisted of the text of The Hobbit, but all the names were just changed to Harry Potter names. Oh, man. It was a completely insane, unreal book, but- What intern got paid yeah. nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, oh, we're just flocking to this thing. Oh, my god! And as such, that became a huge issue in China of these fraudulent Harry Potter books uh, or versions. But that one was the most egregious. It's like, this doesn't even have anything to do with anything. Harry Potter's a hobbit in the shy, like <laughs> Dumbledore is Gandalf. It's It was just bizarre. But because of that, 15 million copies of Harry Potter right. fraudulent in China. So some of the issues with translating are all of her fake words and the cultural relevance associated with them. Oh, so just as simple yeah. as like a house being Ravenclaw. Do you, that's not a real word, but it is an amalgamation of two words. So do, do you literally translate it in Spanish as a ra raven claw uh, uh, or do you how do, what is that decides what's that what that looks like right that's a quite that's just a vocabulary question for who right <laughs> is it the tra that's why it also took so long and people Don't are like we want to read it yeah <laughs> so another thing a lot of the words are actual phrases from other languages so voldemort means or voldemort in yeah. it's a, it's an actual french phrase and it means, because it's vol de mort, which is flight of death or theft of death. Oh. So his name is a French phrase, but it's like, if you're doing that in France, that would be confusing that that's his name. Or right. it's almost like, I don't even think of that meaning that, but right. maybe does that give something away <laughs> in the context of <laughs> yeah. the story? And then also like in Russian, there's no TH sound in their language. So Slytherin, which even though it's a made up word, they had to change the made up word to another made up word. And it's Slytherin uh, in Russian. Slytherin. Yeah. Slytherin. The other the other problem is do you keep the 
British phrases for cultural relevance. So even if it's like, well, this isn't in this culture, it's like, well, in British, you know, there's prefects and there's the, you know, the different schools and jumpers or sweaters in America. So it's like, how do you, do you change things so that it fits the culture or do you keep it because you want it to be British? Because that's part of what the story is. Uh uh Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting in relation to that. So Hagrid has a West country dialect, which is a part of Britain. In the Japanese version of Harry Potter, they give him a Tohoku dialect, which is comparable as a more provincial dialect of the northern part of Japan. Okay, yeah. So that's how translators are able to play around with oh, keeping the same yeah, and trying tone. To, well, what what echoes the right feel yeah. <laughs> between cultures? That's yeah. really interesting. One of the funniest and last parts of translation that I thought was great is in the Chamber of Secrets there is a a reveal where Voldemort, it says, I am Lord Voldemort written out. And you know that this character's name is Tom Marvolo Riddle. And it's an anagram where if you rearrange the letters, it spells that out. Uh And that's a big part of the reveal Uh in that movie. But it's like, well, how are we going to change so that the phrase also matches his name? (laughs) And if we changed Voldemort's name, then what is the phrase going to be? Oh, no. (laughs) So that was a whole nightmare. I thought some cool ones were in Spanish. They changed his name to Tom Sorvolo Riddle. And the riddle has a Y in the middle instead of an I. And uh, that's because I am in Spanish is soy. So that phrase become soy Lord Voldemort, which is still I am Lord okay. Voldemort okay. by futzing around with his name. The best one, though, is in Italian. They just changed his middle name. So it's Tom Orvolosan Riddle because I am in Italian has sono. That's what that's what it means. But there's no I in that word. So the anagram then becomes son io Lord Voldemort, which instead of it being I am Lord, <laughs> Lord Voldemort, track with me, I got is... You. It's me, Lord Voldemort, <laughs> which is like the most Italian way you could say. It's, it's me, Lord like, Voldemort. Yeah, like Mario. It's like <laughs> it's me, <laughs> Lord Voldemort, and that's exactly how it translates in Italian. Um, so, <laughs> other other stuff with the media. Twenty sixteen, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was the play mm. that came out West End, and then Broadway in twenty eighteen. If you don't, okay. if people don't know anything about this, they made they get, they made the script available as a book. And if you were ever interested in what happens after, it's set 19 years after the last book. Harry Potter is an employee in the Ministry of Magic. He has his son Albus. Hmm. Wh- you know, gotcha. in the in the epilogue cool. where it's like, oh, I later. I had heard about this, but I'd totally forgotten, and it hadn't come back up looking at the movie stuff. So yeah, um, and now I'm like refreshed, like right, right, right. I yeah, didn't remember hearing about that. There is a story about him being an adult, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that was hugely successful, won nine awards in Britain's version wow. of the Tonys, and it won six Tonys, including Best Play Man. for that year. It's odd in the sense that it has two parts, so that you have to watch it in two parts. So you either view both parts on the same day, or you go on concurrent nights oh, to cool. view it. 
which is kind of interesting. I would love to. I, honestly, I would love to do that, especially with Harry Potter, with how like mystery detective it is. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool to just adjourn for the night? And, See you later. Yeah, we're all and like if you were in it with people and stuff, you know. I imagine maybe this isn't an exotic city, but you could, you know, you could uh, talk about what, where it's going, and what you think. Who's do? Who is mm-hmm. the whatever the MacGuffin is? Yeah. Um, over the course of a night, and then you have something to look forward to in the next day. I would love to do that. That sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a couple's thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Some other cool things you could go do with people that came from this movie. There was the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Mm, I'm going which... to go. I, I, we, okay. So my, my, uh, my, my fiance. Ooh. Um, announcement. My fiance loves Harry Potter. Had seen all the movies. She's gone to the Wizarding World before, mm-hmm. but I have never gone. I've never even been to the Universal Studios here in Los Angeles. And so we had talked about going, but she said, I'll go again, but I'm only going to go again until you see the movies. And it's been two years. <laughs> and <laughs> so illiterate took him over the edge. I knew. Well, I mean, part of, okay, a lot of it was, I know there's going to be a time and place. Yeah. Uh, but finally now I have seen all the movies, so I get to go to Universal whenever it will open back up if the <laughs> world ever gets back on track. Uh, who knows? But I did it. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing that is really worth mentioning of note in this, because it all came about pretty straightforward, in 2004, Rowling signed a letter of intent with Disney. They were going to be the ones that were going to have Harry Potter as a part of their attractions. The problem was they had creative influence problems with Rowling being involved, and the terms were too stringent, so they backed out, which is interesting, that they didn't want the creative control that she had, that she had been having for all the movies and books and everything. They're like, well, this isn't going to fly. So then, of course, Universal takes it. Yeah, that and makes that's a where lot it of sense. Now. Yeah. Disney has too much already. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to go into some random aspects of culture and what Harry Potter has influenced in it. One of them is music. There's a whole genre of music called wizard rock. I don't know if you're familiar with this. No. It uh, was <laughs> sounds great. Founded by these two guys, Joe and Paul DeGeorge in Massachusetts in 2000. And uh, their band is called Harry and the Potters. Oh, and so nice. the, <laughs> the story behind it is this guy, Matt, invited them to play at a house party. Matt had made his de- debut as a band called the Whomping Willows. And so they were like, well, we'll just be this group called Harry and the Potters. And both of them are dressed up like Harry Potter. And they only play songs related to Hogwarts and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and from the perspective of Harry Potter. Interestingly, there were two other guys there that saw that and were like, oh, we're going to make fun of that in a way, like be more absurd. And they are Draco and the Malfoys. No And they both dress up, but they don't look anything like them. Like the other guys at least have brown hair and glasses like they look nothing like Draco Malfoy but then it became this whole genre and type of music where it's like oh we're gonna have these bands that are gonna satirize a certain part of this and speak to the perspective of that that's Um, wild so some other bands that came from it are Rubius and the Hagrids the Moaning Myrtles (laughs) the Mudbloods it's a whole thing I'll post a link this is a festival well there is a festival so it was called (laughs) I knew it (laughs) it was called Rockstock but with a W because it's Wizarding (laughs) Rock W Rock and uh, it had it went going on from 2007 to 2013. Oh, wow. Okay. Not um, too bad. Not yeah. too bad. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing. Blood. That, 
<laughs> coming on. Um, no, but it was mostly, and these guys will attribute to the fact that it was mostly just in good conscience. Like it was a, sort of a mixture of, if you know, they might be giants or like more of a family friendly mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their shows were at libraries, things of that nature, gotcha, appealing to kids. Yeah. So they actually formed a organization, nonprofit called the Harry Potter Alliance. And it does so many different things that I can't yeah. even name of donating different causes or trying to raise awareness for different things, which there's a lot of internet personalities that have been pretty involved in contributing to that. So just beyond the music, they have used Harry Potter as a- A force for good. Yeah. (laughs) Some other things. Sports. No way. Quidditch, here we go. Quidditch. Lock, stock, and (laughs) rock'em, baby, here we go. Let me tell you, 2005, there were students at Vermont's Middlebury College, the first real-life Quidditch game, which went on to spawn an international, real-world college sport. There is, I'll I'll put, put, put links, but it is like a legitimate thing. It is in 25 different countries. There are international tournaments beyond just what's going on in over 100 colleges in the US. UCLA, in 2010, created a permanent Quidditch pitch. So they're the first college that they have a separate lawn that is drawn out correctly and has the hoops in the sticks. Oh my gosh, permanent. Um, Yeah. So it is- Paid for by the state. (laughs) (laughs) It is a real deal. It is, like I said, I'll post the videos. It is kind of underwhelming when you look at it because it's like you have to carry a (laughs) stick between your legs when you're doing it. And the the golden snitch is a guy in yellow that has a tennis ball, (laughs) almost like a flag football thing on his back. Um, oh man, I I kind of imagined everybody on segways. <laughs> I would like to see that version. Yeah, some sort of floating element <laughs> yeah. to it. But a the, hoverboard, the cavorting around <laughs> with the, the stick between your legs, it doesn't look very <laughs> athletic. But the interesting thing, and what I will give it props for, is there has to be a perfectly gender balanced ratio on each team. Oh, cool. Similar to how J.K. had it in the stories, like yeah. you don't even think about it, but there are men and women on both, Def- okay. or even yeah, yeah, you know non-binary like they don't discriminate as to who can be involved just that it has to be even right on your team right so i thought that was really interesting that's really that's cool. not really an, there's not an opportunity for that unless you're doing recreational stuff right at the collegiate level right i that's not a typical rule <laughs> you know right. like in, men's and women's you know, sports yeah separate. they're totally different so that's that's actually a really interesting different angle yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about, oh, yeah, it is a total co-ed thing. <laughs> co-ed like, thing, yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. I, that didn't even dawn on me watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why didn't that – well, there's, there's men and women's sports or everything. I did not even notice that they were all playing on the same team. That's great. Yeah. I didn't – I'm sorry. I had the revelation on air. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's in real life. So the some other stuff with the writing, there were some weird, weird writing things that happened because – This is a great piece of writing. It inspired other pieces of writing, one of which is called My Immortal, a hideous piece of fan fiction. 44 chapters, 22,000 words. It was deleted by the site administrators, but has been saved across the internet. (gasps) The title is taken from My Immortal by Evanescence. (laughs) It is known for its incomprehensible narrative, constant digressions, it has gained infamy for its awful writing, plot inconsistencies, complete disregard for the Harry Potter source material, and it is regarded as the worst fan fiction ever written. 
just well, as I a, worked really hard on it, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's what it is. The story centers on a female vampire named Ebony Darkness Dementia <laughs> Raven Way and her relationships with the characters in the Harry Potter series, particularly Ooh. her romantic relationship with Draco. Ultimately, she is prompted by visions to travel back in time to defeat Lord Voldemort. Oh. What is great about this is that the author's identity has never been confirmed. Oh, no. Somebody claimed credit for it, but it's disputed because the online presence of the person who wrote this originally on fanfiction.net and how they interacted via the internet is considered by professional people who look into these things too elaborate to be faked. (laughs) So it probably was just a teenager at that time. And the way that it's written also, and the consistency with which it's done. Oh, we ought to do a dinner party where (laughs) we have to to perform this. Um, Because some people thought, oh, this is a hoax or it's a satire of fan fiction. But as the time goes on, (laughs) the person no, this is actually somebody's honest to God effort, truth, yeah, (laughs) to put it together. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Um, So that's great. Like I said, I'll put a link to it. You can read the first chapter if you want. So, like we mentioned, in terms of the the weird Chinese adaptation that had nothing to do with it, Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling have been embroiled in a lot of legal issues in Mm. regards to this. I won't get into all of them. The one that I thought was interesting, I always wondered, like, how did this not get spilled then? If this was a big deal, you got an injunction, you couldn't release it. Like, whatever happened with trying to keep this a secret, was there ever anything that it got out? scandal. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. So 2005, a security guard at a book distribution (laughs) center in England, he stole two copies. Six weeks before this was Harry. Six weeks. This was Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Uh, that is boiling. <laughs> Six weeks before release. This is great, though. He was arrested the next day. So here's what happened. He was trying to sell them to a journalist, huh. and I don't know what the deal with the journalist was because I couldn't find any information about how. Like, why isn't he in trouble? Is, like, is yeah. he trying to? Why is the journalist frame him? Yeah, what? or something. But there was gunfire. He, he there, Apparently, the situation did not go well. He fired a shot at the journalist and then fled and then was oh, caught what? and then pled guilty to threatening and attempting to blackmail the publishers. What? He was sentenced to almost five years in prison. But I'm like, what happened with the – I couldn't find anything that's like – Is the, the journalist should get in trouble for trying to buy it. Why was he buying it? Yeah. Why was he buying it? What was the, the journalist should be in trouble the, if he's trying to, he's knowingly trying to buy something that you're not, well, if he, as soon as he takes ownership of it, he's, he's in violation of the law. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> you the, know, so, right. So the only, I'm just yeah. confused as well, if I'm stealing two copies of this book and I don't want to get caught, but I do want to make money. I'm like, well, why don't I just like go to any school and mm-hmm. be like, here's the book right here. A couple hundred dollars, well, you know, like you, I think you could get away to. with. I'm just saying, you could yeah. you could get rid of that book to a nobody for at li- for some sort of real profit without the risk. You're going to the ju- journalist with it. <laughs> well, what think, is like the I said, story here? I stole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like I said, maybe he had collaboration with the journalist and wanted because it was supposed to be used to blackmail the publishers because he worked as a security guard for the publishing company, but nothing really ever came from that. So. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Sounds like a terrible Fargo. Yeah. (laughs) It's a comedy of errors. (laughs) Speaking of some other oddities. So this is not entirely as big as people thought, but there was a desire for pet owls in Britain. (laughs) 
after these books came out. It was a little bit overhyped by the media, but it was still relevant to the fact that they were getting a disproportionate amount of calls, these you know rescue centers and whatnot being like, can we buy a we snowy owls? Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because I looked into this historically and what has happened, 101 Dalmatians, this also went crazy. Oh, like no, people were looking. Yeah. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. There was a massive influx in pet turtles. Nice. So <laughs> these kids meet Get them home. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of things going into real life, Hogwarts school, there was a survey given to the best Scottish educational establishments in 2008, and Hogwarts was voted the 36th best school in Scotland. <laughs> and the only reason that's interesting is because it beat a real school, the Loretto School in Edinburgh. <laughs> God, man, Loretto must be uh, just bummed on that one. Just right, and it's funny because it was like, it wasn't just, oh, how is it? Like there's, you give it a star ranking on like academics, extracurriculars. Yeah. And, like, so you had to really do the work for this survey. Oh, man. And still it got more than a real place. <laughs> and justice. Another area in which this affected real life was its connection to religion hmm. in both capacities. Uh -huh. That was probably another ideologies. roadblock. I don't think my mom, not that she would have stopped me, but I don't think, I think she would have been, I, I, I didn't want the negative aura right. of reading something dirty. And I guess <laughs> so the, I didn't read. there was a specific thing. There was a parody that The Onion put out that was cited by a bunch of articles about how it like satanic cult worship had increased and there was a faux what? interview that she was a Satanist what? and uh, people like didn't check that it was the onion and ran with it. But again, also it's 2001. It's sort of the dawn of the internet too. That was the whole thing. That was the whole joke with the onions. How many times can they get it reported as real news? <laughs> and I thought it was so funny because the quote that they use also, Harry is an absolute godsend. We've had more applicants than we can handle lately. Oh my gosh. Also the fact that he called him a godsend. It's like, that's the, <laughs> that's the humor in it. Yeah. Um, but I found a book, if you're interested in that whole topic, there's a book called Satanic Panic, and it outlines the fear of that movement in the 80s and into the 90s yeah. because of heavy metal music and because yeah. of media being a bigger part of kids' lives in that way. I'm sure there's going to be some piece of media that comes out addressing that that we might have to come cover at some point. Yeah. I, I feel like that was a uh, quite a phenomenon that mm -hmm. uh, I think is going to get a, a closer eye yeah. soon. The last thing, science. There are 12 different species named after the Harry Potter universe. What? Some living, some dead, some some dinosaurs. What? My favorite, though, is Lucius Malfoyi, mm? which sounds exactly like Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, it's the genus or the species, but in this one, it's just literally his it's name. Just, yeah, it, is a, <laughs> it is a wasp in New Zealand, and the reason I like it is because the genus name Lucius has been around since 1903. Right. That is a genus of wasp. But this one that Thomas Saunders found in New Zealand, he gave it the species name, Malfoy, to redeem the reputation of wasps, he said. Similar in the story to how Lucius uh -huh. Malfoy is redeemed at the Look end. Look at that. And people hate wasps. <laughs> so he was trying to give wasps. I mean, that's his job. He's a, you know, insect I, it, discoverer. It seems a one-to-one -to, -one to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is one thing that happened relevant. Now we're caught up to modern times this very week. And somebody that messaged us from Ecuador was interested oh, yes. in, which is the legacy. Thank you from Ecuador. Shout out to Ecuador. A uh, the legacy of J.K. Rowling as it stands now, 
because it's I, I'm, I was not privy to this. Hot water. I don't follow <laughs> the internet comings and goings of celebrities yeah. and people, but apparently J.K. Rowling has been very controversial in her viewpoints, and it was just this week that it kind of hit a tipping point where before she was liking comments of certain people or following people, and it and was people were not sure where she stood. A vagary of it. At, th- at this point, she just explicitly stated her viewpoints. And she put out uh, a 4,000 word essay. Am right. I right? And it was initially it? just a tweet, and it was her condemnation of the transgender movement and its effects on society. Mm. So the first person to respond was Daniel Radcliffe. And I think this is where the complications, which maybe we alluded to, but the issue of separating a creator from their art, right, right. per se. So his response was acknowledging the work and saying, quote, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life, then that is between you and the book that you read, and that is sacred. And in my opinion, nobody can touch that. And I think also another thing was saying, like like Evan said, she came out with a 4,000-word essay describing, and it goes into a lot of her stances and what she is looking to address and what what does yeah. it cover exactly i mean do, so is I it can't, just a yeah. condemnation of you know it can't be a, a, yeah she doesn't like you know like what is she saying i can't speak to all of it and like sure, i said like sure. one of the one of the other things ivana lynch who plays luna lovegood she also said like this conversation should not be on twitter probably not in that fashion yeah. and she wishes that joe wouldn't have done that and uh So let me put her quote, and then I'll kind of go into from my understanding. She said, I disagree with her opinion that cis women are the most vulnerable minority in this situation. I think she's on the wrong side, she wrote, but that doesn't mean she has completely lost her humanity. So if you remember our J.K. Rowling episode Mm -hmm. number one, we talked about her troubled past with, you know, abuse in her life and domestic abuse and her issues as a single mom and a woman and all of the complications regarding that, and her mom who had multiple sclerosis. So J.K. Rowling is very much on the side of women and feminism and all of those issues. And of course, she's, you know, based on her work, has equality, has Mm -hmm. put in a lot of stuff into her work. And it's funny because there was a a guy, Jackson Bird, who is a writer and YouTube creator, had a a popular memoir come out called Sorted. And a big part of it is how Harry Potter helped him come out as trans. Oh, wow. So like, she has a lot of influence in the space. And it's not that she is against it whole cloth, but she, based on her life Uh and her experience, from my understanding, reading this thing and trying to distill it. This is just a summation for anybody out there. We're just kind of trying to summarize what the controversy is here and what may what are her viewpoints and yeah. and what are people how are people responding yeah. to it so she's We're, explaining yeah. her abuse which like we said she has been very coy mm-hmm. on because she didn't want to bring it up the rights of women that she's fought for as mm-hmm. i mentioned a lot of her charities and a lot of these things and it's her been very involved opinion that this issue of transgender people is affecting that and maybe it is could being hurt women's yeah yeah so it's kind of like a one or the other and i sort of had it in a similar mm-hmm. vein of like what's going on in america now of black lives matter versus all lives matter and it's like you know but to her, in her mind it is negating the yeah, efforts exactly. of it looks women. like a fear of the unknown you know okay mm-hmm. well things are changing and what does that mean for the olympics you know like mm-hmm. all the all the fear the unknown why so why are we, why is there a rush to judgment here to take up your claim why is it not why is the response not oh let me hold on i don't understand this let me understand this what's happening 
and look at it from as many angles as you can. Well, and that's to what's interesting. Download the situation. And that's what's interesting with the 4,000 word response is because she does go into that and explain the friends that she has and the work that she's done and the articles and the interviews. And that, like, she, I think that's what is so troubling to people now is because she has doubled down on this and is not backing down and is using her position mm-hmm. and. Does it do more harm or good for her, even if she's trying to be right. the one to have a position? And maybe that's also a larger sense, which we don't even really understand because we're in it, of our culture and having that immediately, like you have to have something to say or you have We've to jump on. We've been forced to reckon with a new way of communication in the last 20 years uh, that, that we're seeing ramifications of all the time. Uh, we're learning how to communicate with each other at an exponential rate. And that just, we don't get good at it just overnight. And we're, most of us don't even understand that it's changed. The The truth is the way we have communicate, the way we communicate has changed. Uh, and these conversations that happen online are not entire the in in the entirety of the conversation itself. So it's it doesn't leave a lot of room for the growth, the actual, the research, yeah. the the trying to understand. It, it definitely forces you to like draw your cards mm-hmm. and pick a side. Right now, you better be right. <laughs> yeah. So I, instead, I would like to I would like to see instead of this this poll this like I must respond to this this. I would I, I would much rather somebody just do the research. Yeah. I don't know, you know. So I it's interesting that she feels even compelled to comment on this at all. And especially at honest. this time where it's like why do you why why, why are, is this important why are we, to you now? Yeah, no, cuz we brought we went back in 20 years in the past to talk about a kids movie and we have brought it all the way up to this week but of what's going on in the world? Black Lives Matter. Number 1, the pandemic is still right. Ra- why is J.K. Rowling putting out 4,000 words on her thoughts on the transgender movement? Yeah. I, to be honest, not the moment. Yeah. And I really just wish, I don't know, it's just why Why is this being thrown up right now? And also, like, if you... Why, why do I want J.K.'s opinion on this? <laughs> why does she have to have an opinion on this? And this goes, and this is just something, this is just one example, but this is, it's interesting why why is it necessary that she has an opinion I mean, mm. I just hope that she does the work to expand her empathy and but but yeah. I it's just frustrating that we're even talking about it we brought up to current events and it's not the black lives matter movement I don't like I don't really yeah. like that so you know what I mean yeah it is odd and and it, it then it bodes the questions for the implications of the future of this and like Daniel Radcliffe was saying it's like if you liked this thing like can you not see how does that change can what you not read harry you? potter and hear her tweets in the text like that's what a lot of people yeah. are saying if, if it is personal oh, to them oh man to have that but the question then like the fantastic beast films are what's coming out the second film that came out did the worst of any of the harry potter films in terms of oh, ticket man. sales and then steve clovis I, I found out is back in the game. Well, he's actually doing the co-screenwriting with JK oh, yeah, for the yeah. third one. So I don't know if with all of this, she might even be. Oh yeah, what will be the ramifications for, for that, this for third the series movie going on? Yeah, the filming yeah. began, and, we're, and this yeah. just happened this week. Will Universal respond to that? Will they make some mm-hmm. sort of staffing decision? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Now the fans Gosh. are being like, well. We liked this thing, and now it's becoming this other thing. And there are other people involved who are we not into, or even the person that we knew is now acting in this way. And can we yeah. keep 
what we loved or and it's just all very I don't well, have an answer okay. to anything. To take it back to Daniel Radcliffe's thing, I've got to say if you're a transgender person who has been hurt by JK's comments on all of this, I would I, I think it's, there's something in not it might not it's not the answer, it's not gonna take away the hurt. I I don't there's nothing I can offer to to make that better. There's just no, I can't. But I would hope that what Daniel Radcliffe says is still true that 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 it, it what happened between you and that material mm-hmm. still happened, and it doesn't change. It, it it happened. You can, it doesn't change it. So if it if you went on your own journey, that's your own journey. You know, this is something that everybody went through together uh, in a lot of ways. This fandom, but it's still a very personal thing, and and that is individual to anybody who went on that journey. So I I, I would hope that that is still. Uh, value to you well said well that was the journey of harry potter from when it began up to now three episodes that was that was crazy we have not done something that big i had a blast really digging my teeth into i mean eight movies there's a lot of different subjects we could do this with um and we plan to do more series like this going forward not not a not a regular all the time thing but we are definitely going to be planning some more of these so um if you've got an idea uh, one that maybe we had in our voting maybe something that you didn't see maybe something we haven't thought of please get in contact with us at illiterate pod on instagram we want to cover your favorite stuff and i don't know i hope everybody's doing okay in these yeah. crazy times so and just my thoughts are with everybody's thanks for listening uh, thank you all yeah